welcome back to Mum Talk Podcast. So we are starting series two today. Um, Things have changed a little. If you've been listening to the podcast all the way through and if you've been following me on social media, you will know that I have now given birth to our beautiful little girl. She is doing really, really well. She was born on the 4th of September and um, she is two weeks old today. So time flies. I cannot actually believe that she is two weeks old. But this, I wanted to start the second series by sharing my birth story. So the whole intention behind waiting until now to start the second series of Mum Talk was I just felt like it would be a nice, um, nice way to start the second series with Bambino. So our little baby is called Amandine Constance Romilly Jolin, but also known as Beanie. Everyone keeps calling her Beanie. As you guys know, she was known as Beanie when she was in my tummy, and people still keep calling her Beanie, as do I, as does Hendrik. So (laughs) it is sticking, and that's fine with us, because you can't shorten Amandine, really. Um, And... Beanie is perfect, the perfect little nickname for our beautiful little girl. So, my birth story. I'm going to dive straight into it because it was an incredible experience. I have to say, first and foremost, um, I am incredibly lucky. I know that there are hundreds of women out there who have not had good birth stories, don't have good birth stories, um, and even had had traumatic births. Um, But I have to say, I'm lucky enough to not have and to have had the most wonderful birth it is still the hardest thing I have ever done in my entire life um and and the most painful but we as an experience goes and as the NHS goes we were completely completely bowled over by the care um that we received the night I gave birth um So first and foremost, if you are pregnant and you want to stay fairly, um, I don't know how to put this, but want to just, you know, not necessarily know the ins and outs of birth and all the details, then maybe don't listen to the podcast. If you are intrigued and if, like me, you prefer knowledge and you think knowledge is power, then listen. Um, I'm going to share quite a bit of information about kind of hospital bag stuff and just what I used and didn't use (laughs) because there was a lot I didn't use. So if you're at the point of packing your hospital bag, (laughs) then maybe try and ask your husband or your boyfriend or something to skip to that bit of the podcast so you can listen to that if you don't want to hear the birth story. So yes, first and foremost, if you don't want to hear the gory details of birth, do not listen to the podcast. Um, Give birth first and then come back to this podcast. Next week's podcast is going to be all about um, the first couple of weeks of birth and what I found I needed, what I found I didn't need, um, what was useful, what wasn't, how I felt, all that kind of stuff. So maybe check in again next week and re-listen to one of your favourite podcasts this week. Okay, to the birth story. So, It all started on Monday, the 3rd of September. The funny thing was, on Monday day, I had kind of just totally come around to the fact that baby, you know, nothing I did was going to make baby come. Um, I wasn't over due, I wasn't even at my due date. So I was due on Friday the 7th and she was born on Tuesday the 4th, so I I wasn't even on my due date. But on Monday, I was looking um, to see if my massage therapist had any uh, massage slots available for the Tuesday, because I thought, I'll squeeze in one more massage. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about what things Hendrik and I could do, because he had a little bit of time off. The funny thing was, Hendrik was meant to fly on Monday night, but his work called and changed his roster um, and asked him to fly over the weekend previous, so on Sunday instead of Monday. Thank goodness they did. I don't know if fate had a little bit to play there or someone was watching over us, I don't know, but um, thank goodness, because had he been flying, 
he would have literally returned from his flight if everything had gone the same, and it probably wouldn't have because, you know, time never plays out the same twice. But if he had flown, he would have literally come home to me in full contractions and needing to go straight to the hospital. And that wouldn't have been ideal because he would have been up for a very, very, very long time. Anyway, so all started on Monday. If you can hear her, you probably can hear her in the background. She's just kind of, I'm trying to catch her at the end of her snooze. Um, she's been snoozing for a lot longer than I had anticipated, which is why I thought I'm going to try and do the podcast now, but it might be, I just have to pause and then feed her whilst I am doing the rest of the podcast, but I'll let you know if that happens. But if you hear her gurgling away in the background, that is little Amandine. Okay. So Monday night, Monday day, um, I, we went for a long walk, no longer than normal. So I've been walking about, I don't know, maybe an hour every day. Um, for a while. I really would say that one of the reasons I gave birth um, like a little bit early, close to my due date, was staying fit and walking a lot. I know there are lots of people out there who also stay fit and walk a lot. doesn't work for them, but for me, it really did. So I had been experiencing um, cervical pain and discomfort for, I don't know, maybe a week, week and a half, two weeks, previous to giving birth and baby had gone really really low and I could literally feel her head on the inside of my cervix um this is the first bit of kind of TMI so if if you're listening then you know maybe you felt something similar um but I could literally feel her head on my cervix and that was the similar feeling to when you get a smear test and they rub that kind of cotton wool um, on your cervix that is exactly the same feeling as what I was feeling but it was really hitting all of the nerves so I would have to stop and take a breath and just kind of keep going um, and that was happening a lot during the walk a lot more than it had done before when we walked on Monday and I really had to stop and really had to kind of compose myself let it pass and then go on now I don't know if that was little minor contractions it still felt exactly the same as cervical pain so I'm not too sure if that had anything to do with me being in labor or not I don't know but Monday night came so we had sorry we I know I keep saying Monday night came and then I keep skipping back but I'm just trying to kind of get it all in order so I don't confuse you all we had dinner all we had was roasted vegetables. I didn't really feel like eating that much and I didn't really feel like making an effort to cook, but we just had roasted vegetables. Now, I would highly recommend not doing that (laughs) if you're close to your due date. Try and eat a substantial meal every evening because you never know what's going to happen. And you'll know the reason for why I'm telling you this a bit later on. But try and eat substantial meals every single mealtime Keep snacking if you can, um, because if you go into labour, you want to have strength. So we just had roasted veggies, and then we went to bed really late, and I went to, well, I went to go and start getting ready for bed about 11, realised I hadn't made my bed, um, so I went to put bed sheets on the bed. Now, you know when you go to shake a duvet, so I did like one big shake of the duvet, and then noticed a dripping sensation, um from my lady parts. Now I knew I didn't pee myself. I always remember my friend Becca saying that she found it funny how women have never peed themselves before and then all of a sudden their waters break and they're questioning whether they peed themselves. (laughs) So I knew it wasn't pee because, I mean, it was literally, it wasn't like a, um, like a movie of like a gush. It really wasn't. It was just, I could just see it dripping down my legs. Anyway, my initial thought was, oh my god, the carpet, because we've got cream carpets through the house. Well, actually almost white. Um, so I ran to the bathroom, kind of holding <laughs> holding my hoo-ha as I ran to the bathroom um, to try and collect it, sat on the loo, and then really realised, oh my goodness, this is my waters, because it just kept coming. Um, so put in a pad, cleaned myself up, went downstairs, didn't call for Hendrik or anything, went downstairs, and Hendrik was just on the sofa, and I just looked at him, this is half past 11, and I was like, oh my god, my waters have just broken. I was super surprised, because not many people's waters break, as you know, if you're pregnant, you will have read the stats, maybe, I can't remember what it is, but it's really, really not that many, 
Um, women's waters break. Sometimes they have to be broken for them. Sometimes they don't break until they're in full labour. Sometimes, you know, they don't break at all and you deliver the baby in the sack, which is an incredible experience, I'm sure. Um, so my waters broke and Hendrik's face, I mean, I think you could see a little bit of panic in my face and I was a bit panicked. I think you kind of, you're waiting, waiting, waiting for this to happen. And then all of a sudden it happens and you're like, oh my God, this is the start of something that is going to change my life forever. Um, and be a very, very painful evening (laughs) to come. So we went to bed. Um, oh no, we called triage. Sorry. We called triage because you have to, when your waters break. So we called triage, um, and they just said, so obviously maternity ward triage in Exeter and, um, told them that my waters had broken and they just said, yeah, great. Thanks for telling us. You might feel a contraction straight away. You might feel a contraction, um, in kind of in the morning, in 10 hours, you might not get them for 24 hours. If nothing happens in 24 hours, give us a call. Actually, that's not what she said. She did say if nothing's happened by 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, give us a call. She said go for a walk first, then give us a call. So wasn't really expecting anything to happen. Went to bed. As Hendrik kissed me goodnight, which was midnight, I got my first contraction. And boy, oh boy, did it take me by surprise. It was almost like straight in there for the kill. (laughs) It was quite intense. And, but I did think, if they're like this I can handle it this is fine this is fine so Hendrik went to bed experienced my first contraction not so long after maybe five minutes after that contraction I got another contraction so they started to come quite fast the second contraction was a lot stronger and I realized there is no way no way at all I can lie down during these contractions so I got up no sleep for me The midwife did say, try and get some sleep. One other interesting thing the midwife said was, don't go for a walk. She said, if you're, if it's in the middle of the day and you want to speed up labor, then great, go for a walk, do that. But she said in the middle of the night, your energy levels are low and you're just going to deplete your energy levels. So don't go for a walk. So I didn't, I went downstairs, I put on the ranch, the ranch, um, on Netflix, which I've been watching (laughs) and, um, let Hendrik sleep, so Hendrik just stayed in bed and slept, and by 2.30, so the contractions were just coming, coming, and coming, and coming, getting more and more intense, sitting on my birthing ball was an absolute no-go, I did not want the birthing ball at all, it was a horrible feeling sitting on my birthing ball, did not enjoy it, um, walking and just pacing around the kitchen seemed to help rocking my hips from side to side, rocking my hips in a figure of eight, leaning up against the wall. I tried because I was getting really, really tired um, because obviously I hadn't had any sleep and I'd had a full day before. Um, On my knees, I tried to be on my knees on the floor and just bent over the sofa. That didn't really help very much. Um, But by 2.30, I started to time my contractions because I felt like they were coming really quickly together. So the minute I started to time them, every single contraction was bang on the three minute apart mark. And they were lasting between about 40 seconds and 60 seconds. So they say that you're meant to go to the hospital, I think it's between 60 and 90 seconds or maybe 90 and 120 seconds. I can't can't really remember. Um... But they were coming every kind of 50 to 60 seconds, or lasting every 50 to 60 seconds. Um, And I managed to do that by myself, just timing them. I just set my stopwatch on my phone and noted down the time that they started, noted down the time um, that it lasted, and on a little post-it note, that's that's as far as it got to. And then by 4 o'clock... They had got to 90 seconds, so they were averaging um, about 80 to 90 seconds every contraction. And they were becoming more and more painful, so I... I'm sorry if you're using hypnobirthing, it's just suddenly dawned on me that if you are using hypnobirthing, obviously you want to be using the word surges. So I thought I was going to be using surges, all of that business, but really for me and my experience... 
um, the hypnobirthing was really useful for the breathing um, and for just becoming aware of what my body was doing and knowing that this was all very normal and all very natural. But as far as kind of using the word surge over contraction, that kind of thing, that, that language never really bothered me. Um, so do in your mind replace the words that I'm saying if you need to with surge and con surge for contraction. Um, so they became, by four o'clock, they were about 90 seconds, um, lasting 90 seconds, still three minutes apart. And I realised that I didn't think I could do this anymore without Hendrix. So I went upstairs and I just kind of tinkered on his door. I went upstairs really loudly, trying to wake up Hendrix without a shock as I opened the door. Anyway, I opened the door and I just whispered, um, Hendrix, Hendrix, I think I need your help. And straight after that, I had the biggest contraction, must have been walking up the stairs, the biggest contraction. And poor Hendrik went from me seeing, went from seeing me handle my first contraction, which in comparison was not bad at all, to having this almighty contraction, not being able to talk to him, gripping onto the radiator, gritting my teeth <laughs> and moaning un uncontrollably. Um, and he freaked, he definitely freaked out. It was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. So he, looking back on it, it was funny. It was actually funny at the time and it did make me laugh, which was why, which was actually quite, quite, um, funny and quite good in the situation. So he jumped out of bed, came over to me, was like, are you okay? Oh my God, are you okay? Really very much in a deep sleep. Following that, I literally bolted for the bathroom and projectile vomited into the loo. So all of my dinner, which hadn't really digested, came up um, and I was left empty. So another another kind of lookout, they say, is if your bowel's empty, um, that's a sign of potentially going into labour. Now, that never happened to me. Never happened. So I, again, was waiting for that to happen because everyone was like, oh yeah, no matter what signs you do or don't get, you will definitely get your bowels emptying. Mine didn't, so mine was obviously the other way around, so I projectile vomited into the loo and had a contraction at the same time. Now, that was horrific, and it was with such force, both, I could barely breathe, and I was just trying to catch my breath. Poor Hendrik, still in a daze, still just, still waking up, had no idea what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, is this normal? Is this normal? I didn't know this was normal. I didn't know that you vomited. No one told me this. Anyway, so eventually we went downstairs. Um, I wasn't dressed at this point. I was still in my dressing gown. Went downstairs and I said, look, we need to call triage. I think, I think we need to go in. The contractions are this, this and this. I showed him my little post-it notes working out of my contractions and he was still in a daze, still in a daze. He was dressed at this point. Um, and he was like, where's the phone? So we have a phone upstairs, we have a phone downstairs. Anyway, he started to run upstairs for the upstairs phone when we were downstairs. And I was like, Hendrik, the phone's by the TV. Just get the phone by the TV. So he then ran back downstairs, got the phone by the TV, dialed the number, <laughs> and then suddenly hung up from triage. And suddenly goes... I need to brush my teeth. So he put the phone down, ran back upstairs, brushed his teeth. Meanwhile, I was just there having contractions. Fine, no problem. And then he came back downstairs and I was like, are you done? Are you okay? You brushed your teeth. You're fine. Can we now call triage? And he was like, yes, yes. And when I told him that, he didn't remember that he'd done that. But when I told him that, his theory behind it was that if the lady at triage had said, you need to come in right away, which, I mean, she did, but and that's what we did. But she, in his mind, he was like, I wouldn't have had time to brush my teeth then, and I have to brush my teeth. I didn't I didn't want to go all night without brushing my teeth. <laughs> so that was quite funny. Um, so then we gathered our bits. He, he got um, my clothes and things of what I was going to wear, um, which we had actually laid out the night before just in case this happened. And we'd finished packing our hospital bags in case this had happened as well, just putting in the last little bits like phone chargers and iPads and stuff um, after I'd after my waters had broken. So um, we, yeah, gathered all of our bits and pieces. He got me dressed and we jumped in the car. 
and off we went to the hospital. Now, I don't really remember getting contractions in the car because I said to Hendrik, I didn't think I everything laid off when I was in the car on the way to the hospital, as they kind of tell you that it will. Anyway, he said, no, no, it didn't. You had about three, four contractions in the car. Um, and then we were, obviously at that time in the morning, it took us no time at all to get into the hospital. And we arrived at the hospital and I remember not having a contraction from walking from the car up up to the birthing centre. And I remember saying to him in the elevator, oh my God, everything's slowed down, this is rubbish. I'm just going to backtrack slightly to the phone call with triage because the lady was really lovely to Hendrik. Apparently she never asked to speak to me. I think she could hear me in the background having contraction. Um, And she said to Hendrik, look, if she wants to come in, then she can come in. If she feels like she needs to come in, then tell her to come, then, then let's get you in. I really did feel like I wanted to go in. So I didn't want to labour anymore at home. I was done doing this by myself. I wanted, and I didn't think I was going to want this, but I wanted to know I was in a safe place. And for me, that safe place was the birthing centre. So I um, I was really, really happy to go in when I went in. I wouldn't have wanted to wait any longer. So... She's starting to wake up. You can probably hear her little mousy squeaks. Um, So we went... Oh, and a little teary cry. I might just have to pause in a minute and see if she settles herself a bit more. No, I don't think she is. Hang on, I'm just going to pause and then I'll come back. Okay, I'm now back and she is feeding. (laughs) Sorry about that. So where was I? Um... Yeah, so we got in the car and I didn't feel, that's that's it, that's where I was. So I didn't feel any contraction going from the car into the hospital. And I remember getting up um, to the top of the birthing centre where we were just waiting for our midwife to come and meet us. And I remember saying to Hendrik, oh my god, I think everything stopped. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be anything dilated. I'm prepared for that the contractions are slowing down because I'm in a safe place and I feel secure and it was almost like what everyone had said about feeling secure had done the opposite for me it had made me just relax and just calm down a little bit um so rather than kind of ramp things up anyway so the midwife came and as the midwife walked into the waiting area I had a enormous contraction And she helped us through to the um, consultation room, which had like a bath in it. Not a birthing pool, but a bath. And it had a bed, and um, I'd actually seen it online before, so it was quite familiar walking into the room. If you are going to birth in a birthing centre, I highly recommend seeing if they've got any virtual tours that you can do. It really did help me to kind of think, oh yeah, this is that room that I saw online, and it's got this and that, and I don't know, it really helped me kind of feel a little bit settled. So, went in, and she offered to do a um, little check to see how far dilated I was, and I was really intrigued to know, so I wasn't sure if I would accept it or not accept it at that point, but I accepted it, I was really intrigued. Not the most comfortable thing to do when you are in between contractions, and you're pretty kind of sore down there because the body's doing its thing anyway she came back and said yeah you're two centimeters dilated I could not believe it I literally could not believe it but I was prepared for it because I said to her I was like it's not good news is it (laughs) anyway she said you're re- it's really, really thin. I expect your cervix is really thin. Um, yes, you're only two centimetres dilated, but I expect this to move really quickly. She never offered for us to go home. She never kind of said, I want you to go home. And I think if she had, I would have been like, I do not want to go home because I knew that it just would have a bad effect if I went home, I think. Um, so I... What are you doing, Beanie? Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Um, so after that, she kind of left and she said, well, I think I'm going to try and find you a TENS machine because I hadn't got a TENS machine. So she went to try and find a TENS machine for me and couldn't find one. She came back. It kind of took a really long time, but I, I think it just seemed that way because the contractions were so close together. And then... 
um, she came back and said, oh, I'm actually going to run you a bath. So I've got some nice bubble bath for you. You can have um, a little bit of a bath if you like. So I was really keen on this idea. Anyway, by the time she'd come back with the bubble bath and stuff for the bath, I don't know if she thought my contractions had just moved on enough or, or what really, but she said, I'm actually going to take you straight into the birthing suite. So we went into the birthing suite and there was a birthing pool and she said, do you want to just get straight in the pool? And I thought, well, yeah, I would like to get straight in the pool. So she let me get straight in the pool. And that was amazing. It, I mean, I don't really feel like it helped with the pain as such, but it just helped me to feel a lot less, um, a lot lighter. It helped me feel a lot lighter. Come on, Beanie. Sorry, I'm just trying to get Amandine to feed, and she's just being a bit fussy. Come on. Come on. Come on. Good girl. Sorry, you probably don't need to hear all of this. Um, and then it did feel really nice. So I think I got in the pool at probably about five, maybe half past five. And baby was delivered at 8.34. So considering the time that we got to the hospital, which was about half past four, um, to half past eight, not that bad. Not that bad at all. <laughs> um, however, that does not mean it's easy. Sometimes I feel like people who um, say, oh my gosh, you had such a great labour. Um, it wasn't It wasn't that long. I'm like, yes, but that doesn't mean it wasn't painful. <laughs> I think because it went really intense really quite quickly. Um, I kind of just jumped in straight into the deep end. There wasn't that much of a, a warm-up to my labour. Um, so... In the pool, the thing I hated the most was when they topped up the water to make it warmer. I did not enjoy that one bit. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's because my bum was close to the tap or that didn't like the heat coming in. I don't know. But I just remember saying, oh, do you have to fill it up again? I don't like the warm, I don't like the warm water. But obviously it's not for me. It's for, ba it's for baby. So... They had to do it. Um, I remember a couple of times in the pool seeing blood. And the first time that happened, it was quite scary. I don't know if it was a membrane breaking or what, but there was one point. So I initially got into the pool with my knickers on, with my bra on. Um, my midwife was absolutely amazing and she just kind of completely protected my modesty. I, was, I wasn't I was really able to give her that many answers, so she just went for the most kind of protective for me. It was just her at all times to start with. Obviously, Hendrik was there as well. Um, and she was just incredible. Her name was Rosie, and, I mean, she was just, just absolutely amazing um, from the start, and so supportive, so... Uh, knowledgeable and she'd been doing this for 12 years she got two kids of her own and she was just absolutely incredible so supportive the whole way she knew I'd been doing a little bit of hypnobirthing so she was being very conscious of the language that she used um, but yeah she was just amazing so when I saw bits of blood in the pool she was like don't worry it's completely normal it's so normal um, and Hendrik was very sweet, so when we arrived and I got in the pool, he kind of, in my hospital bag, or in his hospital bag, as his was the one that had bits for the room to, you know, set up. <laughs> now, all we got out were two little candles that were electric candles. So we got out two candles and also got out um, my phone, which had my Spotify just... Uh, norm like a I had like a sleep relax playlist thing um on there so Hendrik put that on we didn't even attach it to my speaker or their speaker we didn't bother um there was almost like almost like no time for that there was time but I needed the focus to be I needed his focus to be on me rather than on 
doing the room and things and I think he wanted his focus to be on me as well so that is it that's all I used out of my hospital bag for the room didn't get my diffuser out didn't get my face sprays out didn't get my cold flannels out didn't get my oils out <laughs> didn't get anything out so yeah it was quite funny um and then uh yeah so as labor progressed um, there were just a lot of contractions <laughs> and then eventually, so I think my pushing stage went on for an hour, so I guess I started that at about 7, 7.30 and the first wave of that was very intense and quite scary, so the first wave, it really was like my body completely took over, completely took over it's almost, and it really is like when you go for a big poo and your body just takes over and you have zero control over um poop if you've got an upset tummy or something it's like that so I had um yeah so that's what happened my body just almost clicked and went into this drive and just there was this huge wave of pushing and Oh my gosh, that terrified! It did terrify me because I had zero control. I had no control over my body from from before. I had control. I had control over my body, and I was um, managing the contractions. And then when this came, I mean, I didn't have any control. Anyway, so I can't remember if we had taken my pants off before this had happened, or if we then took my pants off. I can't remember. But again, Rosie was amazing. Was like, I think we need to take your pants off now. You know, they might get in the way at some point. So let's take your knickers off. Um, and they have this mirror. So Hendrik describes it. I never saw it, but Hendrik describes it as like a giant cake slice which they slide into the bottom of the pool so they can see what's going on. Um, and she had a torch, and it was all very... It just wasn't intrusive at all. Um, Hendrik, I was completely unaware of this, but Hendrik uh, did inform me that I did poop once or twice. Um, and it was fine. She literally just fished them out of the pool and popped them in the bin. I was none the wiser. And he was virtually none the wiser, and it just was just was not a big deal at all. So that was quite um, quite funny <laughs> to look back on, is that I did poop. Yes, I did poop, but it it wasn't um, it was not a big deal. What I thought I kept seeing, which maybe maybe I did see bits of poop, but I thought they were blood clots. Um, but I think there were a bit of both actually. Um, but yeah, not a big deal. So if you're worried about pooping, don't be worried about pooping. It's 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 really you're not even going to be bothered about it at all. Um and so yeah, the pushing stage was the most intense thing that I've ever felt. Now my body my my body felt like it wasn't really producing enough contractions um or in my body wasn't doing kind of the pushing, um, what am I trying to say? How best to explain this? So I had to add like two or three extra pushes on the end of the contraction where I physically really had to push towards the end to get baby out. Um, it wasn't happening my body, I definitely wasn't breathing my baby out. <laughs> I don't, I don't quite know still how, um, breathing your baby out would happen, but I definitely didn't breathe my baby out. My body, my body pushed my baby out kind of two contractions. Um, and then I had to add on towards the end where I physically had to push to get her out. The most kind of, the hardest bit was during the pushing, she kept going. So she'd come and then she'd go back in. She'd come and she'd go back in. And Rosie would be like, hold her there, hold her there, hold her there, just relax. And I wouldn't be able to, she'd go back in. And Rosie was saying, you know, don't worry, this is completely normal. She's being really kind to you. She's letting, she's stretching you really, really slowly. She is doing, she is being very, very, very kind to you. And she was, because I didn't um, need an episiotomy and I didn't tear my perineum either. Perineum, I always say that wrong. Perineum, either. Um, so she was very kind to me. I was literally left with a graze 
um, and one teeny, 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 tiny little um, cut. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a tear because it wasn't, but um, on. But they were both on the sides of my vagina opening. They weren't on the back, they weren't on the front, they were on the sides. Um, so that was really interesting to to see that she she was actually doing her thing and she was stretching me really, really slowly because, yeah, she kept going in and out, in and out, in and out, I don't know, for maybe about 40 minutes, um, maybe a little bit longer, I'm not sure. But I did lose, that was the first time I swore because I was like, are you kidding me? What, what are you doing? <laughs> Just come out already. I did also fall asleep in between contractions that was actually quite funny because the contractions at one point were literally about 40 seconds apart so I would fall asleep for 40 seconds and then the pain of the contraction would wake me up um, with quite a startle and that was very difficult and now I barely well I didn't eat during the whole of labor and I barely drank during the whole of labor um, Hendrik was really trying to force water down me as much as he could, but I don't think I even got through my small, um, I got a, like a small chilli swell bottle thingy, um, and I didn't even get through one of those. So this is why I was making the point of eating something substantial every mealtime when you're close to labour, when you're close to your due date, because I really couldn't have eaten. I absolutely couldn't have. They brought in some toast for me. Hendrik ended up eating it because I just did not want it. Um, and Hendrik had apricots, sugary apricots. Definitely didn't want those. I just couldn't. I could not eat a thing. Anyway, so after lengthy pushing, um, I so position-wise, I guess some of you will be keen to know positions. So position-wise, I was on, most of the time in the pool, I was kneeling on my knees um, and sitting back on the heels of my feet. Now, because of this, I have, and I still have, they haven't healed yet, but on my toes, I have grazes and cuts all on the tops of my toes from sitting like that for so long. Now, I only move from that position when, um, when I needed to push and really push. And then I flipped over, flipped over onto my bum, and I leant back on the back of the bath and Rosie was holding my feet so a little bit like stirrups I guess it was a little bit like my feet were in stirrups because Rosie were holding, was holding them but my bottom was lifted a little bit and um, I pushed her out that way in the end because she just wasn't wasn't coming the other way the most beautiful thing about pushing her out this way was that when she did finally come out it was the most insane experience in that she came out and both Hendrik and Rosie saw and they were like, Emma, Emma, grab her, grab her. So it wasn't like she just floated and popped to the surface. Her legs were still inside me and I grabbed underneath her arms and kind of pulled her up and pulled her little legs out and pulled her up onto my chest and it was incredible. It was the most amazing experience. I remember looking down and seeing her face underwater and her arms splaying out to the side and her eyes were open. And then the minute she hit my chest, she let out a couple of little gurgly cries. And there she was. She entered into the world and she was all fine and happy. Um, so I that was quite difficult. So the next stage was pretty tricky. Um... I had to get from the pool onto the bed with the baby on my chest and without pulling on the cord too much. So that was hard. So I had to turn over. Oh my gosh, I was so sore. I remember I was so sore. So I had to turn around into the bath and then shimmy my hips up. So sit up, sit up onto the side of the bath. And this, these baths are really big. So I had to sit up onto the side of the pool, bath, whatever you want to call it, and then shimmy back onto the bed, all with the cord attached. <laughs> Uncomfortable, to say the least. And then I got wheeled back, kind of away from the pool, back to the back of the room. At this point, there were there was more than Rosie in the room. So Rosie was incredible, and actually, so she was with us the entire night, but she had to leave, technically had to leave at 8 o'clock. But she stayed, she stayed over her shift, 
and I remember her saying, Emma, if you could hurry this up, that would be great, because I've got to take my little girl to school at 9 o'clock. But she stayed. She stayed until 8.30, and oh, it was just amazing. She just stayed with me, and when she was born, uh, baby, cr- uh, she cried, and she was like, this is so unprofessional, I'm so sorry, but it was absolutely amazing. And I wish... We we went to go and take in chocolates and things for her and a card and I really wanted to see her again but I just it's the weirdest thing thinking that you're not ever gonna see the person that delivered your child again and who saw you through that most amazing experience and I hope one day I get to meet her again because she's just the most incredible woman and I hope she receives our card and our chocolates and things because um I mean, she just deserves so much more than that, but she was incredible. Um, so when I was on this bed, I felt the urge to push again. So she, so baby was obviously on my chest and the placenta for me came naturally and came very, very quickly. I think it came within like 14 minutes or something and a couple of little pushes, one or two puffs of gas and air and baby, uh, uh, baby, and the placenta was out, and I was fascinated. I wanted to see the placenta, so I took photos, and the midwife was explaining what was the sac, what was the placenta, all of this. The cord was cut at some point as well. Hendrik didn't want to do that, which is absolutely fine, but the cord was cut at some point. Um, and, yeah, and then... we So we, we had a really long time between... Um, with with baby still attached to the placenta. So that was really lovely. We had very we what I would say was extended um cord oh, I can't remember what it's called now, the word's gone out of my head, but extended period of time where the placenta is still attached to baby to make sure she gets kind of all of her or most of her blood back. So that was really special and really lovely. One thing I haven't mentioned about being in the pool was um pain relief. So when I first got in the pool, I was given a couple of paracetamol and I hadn't taken anything during my pregnancy, nothing, not one thing, never one paracetamol, not a hay fever tablet, not even Gaviscon for heartburn, I had not taken a thing. So this was quite weird for me to take paracetamol, but um, at that point I was like, yeah, give it to me, I'm happy to take it, that's fine. And my intention was then to only have gas and air, and that's what happened. I did only have gas and air, but I laid off the gas and air for a really long time. So it was interesting because I wasn't offered it to start with. So when Rosie and I, at the very, very beginning of all of this, Rosie and I were walking to the consultation room, she was kind of very briefly asking me, how did I see my birth planning out? What did I want? And I told her, water birth ideally and gas and air. Um, And that was kind of all she needed to know, really. So that was um, what happened. Now, I had to ask her for gas and air, and I think that's what was so brilliant, was because I didn't have it, probably, until, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes before the pushing stage. So when I did have it, it was good. It made a difference. Rather than, I think, if you have it right at the beginning, it you, you won't necessarily feel the effects you need for the last bit of... Um, labor. I definitely don't think that during the last section of labor I used it to its full um, ability because I don't think I was really using it right. I found it very difficult to relax my bottom lip um, and I was gritting my teeth around the mouthpiece on the gas and air so that made it very difficult to relax your mouth and when you do fully relax and take the gas and air it does make you feel quite quite woozy and 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 it definitely didn't make me feel like that when I was in labor because you have to breathe um you can't take breath in through your nose and I was definitely taking um air in through my nose at the same time and through my mouth I think whilst in the end of at the end of labor because when I then took gas and air for the placenta and when I took it for um they check you over at the end and then I got one little stitch and I then really felt the effects of the gas and air and it does make you feel very out of it so I definitely wasn't using it to its full ability during the end of the labour 
Um, but yeah, I'm proud of myself. I'm really proud of myself for only having gas and air and having the water birth. And there was definitely a point, the transitional phase that I went through where I really thought, oh my goodness, I totally understand why people have epidurals. This is really painful. Um, my labour was very much a back-based labour from the very start. All of the contractions were in my back. Now, she was the right way around. She was exactly where she was meant to be. She wasn't back-to-back -back or anything like that, which makes it more of a back labour. So I don't really understand why I had such a back labour, but it was incredibly heavy in the back. I never felt any of the contractions in my tummy, in the front of my tummy. They were all in my back and my lower back. Um... And that was that was pretty horrible, but um, fine. Um, so what else can I say? So when I got onto the bed, placenta was out. There is a lot of blood. Like there was for me, there was a lot of blood. There. Well, I didn't actually lose that much. I think I only lost three hundred and fifty mil, which really isn't very much. It's very normal. Um, but when you kind of look down, there's quite. It's quite messy. It is quite a messy business, and I did think oh my goodness I'm glad I'm not at home because <laughs> that's quite a lot of clearing up to do um and baby went straight onto my breast and started feeding pretty much straight away which was absolutely lovely and the I, I held on to baby for a really long time in fact Hendrik didn't get a cuddle until they wanted to do the stitch because I was worried that with the pain I was squeezing her a little bit too tight as a bit of a reflex so when they said they wanted to do the stitch, I passed um, baby over to Hendrik and he had his first cuddle and a bit of skin on skin, which was really lovely. Um, and I had a little local anaesthetic for the stitch, which they offered me and it was very normal. But having a needle in your lady parts isn't the funnest thing so definitely take the gas in air if they offer that to you definitely take the gas in air but what my midwife did and she was so lovely we had a lovely midwife Emma who came on board after Rosie had to go and she kind of squirted some of the general anaesthetic um, over my lady parts before she injected so it kind of numbed it a little bit and one of the great things about having your lady parts numbed for the stitch is that you actually can't feel them for a while so when you go for your first wee it's not painful or it wasn't for me it wasn't painful and I was just really comfortable in my lady parts for quite a long time because they were really quite numb <laughs> the one area I wasn't comfortable in and I think this was because of my back labour was my coccyx and kind of it it felt like there was a huge amount of pressure in my bowels and I think this was from the extra pushing that I had to do and just generally being super bruised down there um I don't know if you listened to my podcast with somewhat rad but she was she, with Rebecca but she was googling um prolapse and it definitely does did feel to me as well like I had prolapsed for sure um I hadn't and I still don't think I have but that that discomfort um was extreme to start with and it came in waves and then um it got less and less and less but it stayed with me until now and I do still occasionally get it um and now my midwives have said give it until four weeks and then maybe um investigate a little bit more if it hasn't gone by then it could be that because I had such a big back labor that my coccyx hasn't quite gone back to where it should be and it's more of a bony pressure that I'm feeling in my pelvis as my pelvis has come back together. So it could be an osteopathy thing that could help me, maybe some acupuncture, something like that. Um, so I will let you know how I get on with that. Um, so after uh, being on the bed and after having my one tiny, teeny little stitch... I was desperate to take a shower. <laughs> so this is where this all started with the food thing and my kind of desperation to tell you all to eat really well before you go into labour if you can. Because I hadn't eaten anything since about 6.30 the night before, so Monday 6.30 in the evening, plus I'd then vomited it up. I hadn't eaten anything until kind of 
We were probably about 11 o'clock by now, maybe even noon by now. We weren't rushed out of the room at all. It was amazing. I think we stayed in that, in the labour suite for, um, I don't know, until maybe 1 or 2 o'clock. So we weren't rushed out of there at all. So I really wanted to take a shower. So I started to get out of bed and, oh my goodness, I couldn't. I mean, I was I literally, my feet touched the ground and then I almost touched the ground. I was literally going to pass out. So every single time I stood up, I felt like I was going to pass out. And this happened all the way through until they moved me until, uh, moved me onto the postnatal board, which they said I needed to go on to just until I stopped feeling so faint. So I think one of the reasons was food, lack of sugar, all that kind of business, because when I'd eaten um, a Mars bar, it definitely got better. And the midwife bought me like a jacket potato and cheese and all that kind of stuff. Um, I ate some apricots because I was desperate to get out of hospital. I just wanted to go, um, as I knew I would, because the last time I went in for a teeny tiny little procedure, I was again desperate to get out of hospital. Even though it was the most amazing experience, I just wanted to go home with my little one, and I knew Hendrik was really tired. So, I, um, yeah, kept, like, wanting to pass out. But eventually I did manage to get into the shower, and again, the midwife was incredible. She literally soaped my whole body and rinsed me. I mean, she she just did everything for me, and then held out my knickers, put a pad in for me. I mean, she was just incredible. Now, one thing I will warn you, ladies, is passing clots is a real thing. And I literally passed, I don't know, a few huge ones um, after birth whilst I was still in hospital. Don't be shocked. It doesn't hurt. It's not a big deal. Just be aware of it. It's going to happen. It's completely natural. It's completely normal. Um, yeah, don't don't stress about it. But it is a real thing. So after all of this, we I finally actually fell asleep in the um, birthing room, but unfortunately, about five minutes into my snooze, the midwives came in and said, we need to move you to the postnatal ward. So we moved to the postnatal ward, and unfortunately, there were a couple of women on the postnatal ward who had friends there, which was all very lovely, but they were chatting really loudly because it was, you know, it was the middle of the day, but I couldn't sleep. Um, and I didn't have earplugs, and I didn't have an eye mask, I didn't have anything that you kind of need to sleep. So it was at that point where I said to Hendrik, we gotta go, so go get me a bunch of chocolate, I'm gonna down all of the chocolate, and I'm gonna not pass out, and we're gonna walk out of here in a couple of hours. And we did, and it was fine. And I got in maybe a feed or two with the midwives, and... We changed our first dirty nappy, which, my goodness, yes, it's black and it's tarry and it's hard to get off, but Hendrik did it and he was amazing. And then we left, and I think we left about half past five, six o'clock, no, about six o'clock. Ended up getting home at seven, um, all a bit of a whirlwind. Don't really remember what happened when we got home. I think we ended up going to bed at maybe half past ten, eleven o'clock, and Hendrik slept in the same room as me. For the evening um but my goodness I it was the most terrifying night of my life I freaked out didn't know what to dress her in didn't know if she'd be warm enough she she settled in her snooze pod um the first night but I didn't I, I couldn't take my eyes off her I wanted to sleep with the light on but I couldn't because of Hendrick so I had my iPhone out and a torch out the whole time checking up on her, checking she was still breathing, checking that the um, blanket hadn't gone over her head. Oh my goodness, it was the most disturbed night of my life. Just don't think I got any sleep. Fed her a couple of times, changed her nappy a couple of times. Hendrik actually got some fairly decent sleep, um, but I didn't. Anyway, from then on, he has slept in a different room because actually, you know what, for us, he has had he did have to go back to work to do a couple of flights, but for us, it just works so much better we have a little routine going where, or we did have a bit of a routine going, where Hendrik would, um, so we'd go to bed, and then I would feed, and then Hendrik would come in about five o'clock and take her after her five o'clock feed, and then he would be happy and um, alive for the rest of the day. And I'm not a very good napper, so I have to say I don't nap when she naps. I haven't since day one. And yes, it's not ideal. 
but I just can't nap. I just don't seem to be capable of napping. Anyway, I'm going to cover the rest of what happened at home and the first couple of weeks in next week's podcast. Um, This one is about the birth story, but I will tell you how I'm healing. I'm healing really well, so I'm two weeks in. Um, I'm not actually sure if my stitch has fallen out yet because I haven't had a look in the last couple of days uh, or dissolved yet. I think it probably has. I was in a quite I was in a fair bit of discomfort for the first week. Sitting down wasn't very easy. Um moving around was quite sore. This feeling of heaviness and dragging um was difficult and I did resort to taking paracetamol, not ibuprofen. I haven't taken ibuprofen, but paracetamol I've taken um probably one dose, only one dose a day probably. I haven't needed to take it every 4 hours. Um and yeah it, it's not been it's not been too bad my bleeding was quite heavy to start with i did use my tenor um lady pants and they were a godsend so definitely get some uh, for the night time because you know that you can just sleep soundly until you need to wake up to feed and then you'll go to the loo and you'll change it but you can sleep soundly knowing that your blood's not going to go anywhere basically i i didn't leak once Um, mine did get a lot lighter after the first maybe four days and now I'm kind of just oscillating between um, it going to normal kind of discharge and then back to a bit of um, blood if I do anything a bit much so if I go for a walk or um, if I lift something or something like that then it's a bit um, a bit more but that's apparently completely normal um so there you have it. There's my birth story. That's what happened. So she weighed seven pounds two, and she was born at eight thirty four. And I had one little stitch, gas and air, in the water. Caught her myself, and with the most insanely amazing midwife. I mean, big up to the ladies at Exeter Birthing Centre because they are just absolutely incredible. I have never been so impressed by the NHS and um I mean they were just an absolute I mean they were amazing they were amazing they made the whole experience absolutely incredible and fantastic breathing wise I did I just breathed I just breathed I do at the beginning I did use up breathing and definitely during birth I did use the down breathing um, so you definitely practice your down breathing for sure but during kind of the contractions the big contractions in the pool I just breathed I just breathed through it as much as I could um, and it's not easy it's not easy but you have to trust in your body that your body knows exactly what it's doing and Hendrik was incredible he was absolutely incredible he was there rubbing my back I think he found it fairly traumatic the whole birthing experience but I'll do another whole podcast hopefully with him um on it if I can persuade him to do that but he was amazing amazing considering he'd only been to one NCT class didn't really know what to expect um knowing that he was there hearing his voice hearing the supportive words that he said and sharing the experience with him was I just could would never change that for the world. It was amazing, and he was amazing. Anyway, I have been chatting. I'm sorry it's been fairly disjointed. Um, hopefully, it's all in a bit of an order for you to follow. It is a little bit blurry, but if you have any questions, always email me mumtalkpodcast at gmail dot com. I'll come back to you as quickly as I can. I'm not really back on email mode yet, but um, or if you want a fairly quick answer come onto my Instagram, um, direct message me, I'll try and come back to you on there. Again, I'm going to make an attempt to come back onto Instagram this week, uh, but Hendrik's parents are coming, so that might not happen. <laughs> um, but I will get back into uh, work mode at some point. Um, if you are expecting really soon, I wish you the best of luck, your body is strong, you are strong, you will be fine and your body knows exactly what it's meant to be doing, so trust, 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 trust in your body. All right, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Any questions, just let me know. 
and I will check in with you next week and we will chat about the first couple of weeks with a baby. Alright, see you then. Bye.